LMT is a lens by which you assess all economic understanding. The street is full of corruption. It is baked in to every aspect of our society. 1900s, Lenin was predicting global finance capital would do all the things it's doing today. This is written over 100 years ago. All right, everybody, it is Steve, the Rogue Scholar, and I don't have a specific topic today other than the things I put up on the screen. If you look at the name of this, it's like there's just so much crap out there that I could focus on, so much stuff that I could raise to talk about. And I figured that there's kind of a, I don't know if it's a, a great stream per se, but it's definitely a series of things that you watch the way people follow these breadcrumbs and the results they come up with are uh, amusing to say the least. So, you know, I, I was watching today on the Hill and rising as Bree Joy uh, Gray took on the national debt and the debt limit and stuff like that. And I'm not going to play the clips because, you know, everybody doesn't know this stuff. But Brie has a huge audience. And I'm available at any given time to have talked to her, to shed light on the subject, to, to be a guest, to do whatever. Um, talk offline, privately, doesn't matter. Um, but on Rising, she talked about how the national debt was unsustainable. And she talked about how um, you know, it was concerned about who we owe and, uh, just, it, it was just wild to see somebody who has been around some MMT folks, but still believes the national debt is a thing, but she's not unusual. She's average. She's rank and file with the rest of the pundits out there, be it alternative media or regular mainstream media, they get the debt ceiling incorrect that get the concept of the national debt incorrect, that fundamentally don't understand how money works, do not understand the fundamentals of federal finance, do not understand the world in which they live in because they do not understand how the financial system works. As a result of not understanding how the financial system works, suddenly crazy takes become the norm because everybody listens to their favorite people. And when those favorite people don't understand economics, like for example, last night on status quo, I was explaining about once again, the national debt. And somebody said, Oh, Richard Wolf is really good on the national debt. Really good on this MMT thing. And I'm like, what? like, I think to star Trek and I think of bones, you know, talking to Jim Kirk and Kirk's like, hey, can you show me how to play Parcheesi? And you can see Dr. You know, him saying, I'm a doctor, not a, not a board game guy, right? Why is it that Richard Wolf can't say, hey, I am a Marxist economist that focus on microeconomics. I don't understand macro. Talk to my friends over here. Why can't he refer you to the experts in that field? Why does he feel compelled to mislead this huge audience he has? Once again, speaking past his point of knowledge. This is a universal problem. The ego doesn't allow people to say, 
I don't understand. I don't know about this. It doesn't make sense to me. I'm not sure I'm right. Can you fact check me? Instead, they just go out there and say things. Suddenly, Richard Wolf is telling people that the United States government borrows from corporations. I, you, you can't make this up. Literally, he went out there in front of his huge audience telling people that the United States federal government borrows from corporations. The national debt, let's get this straight. There are several ways we can get money into the system. And when you drill down deeper and you look at federal spending, the treasury can create greenbacks, the mint can create coins, and the bank, the central bank, the United States Federal Reserve can create federal reserve notes, okay? Those federal reserve notes have interest on the reserves that they create. The United States government pays interest on reserves. There is a limit to how many greenbacks can be spent into the economy a year if they want to. I think it's something like 300 million, which isn't enough to make a dent in society because the law that governed greenbacks was written back during the time of Lincoln, okay? But when you look at what the national debt is, the dollar is a unit of account and it equals debt. So when the fucking government spends money into the economy through the central bank, it creates a dollar reserve, an interest-bearing dollar reserve. That right there creates the debt. The national debt is the sum total of every unspent, do uh, untaxed dollar in the economy. And so what the government does is by law, it sells bonds when it spends new money. It doesn't need to. This is an anachronism. An anachronism is when they say <laughs> something that's no longer relevant, something that maybe was something back before Methuselah, okay? something that's irrelevant today. Well, selling bonds is not required. It's required by law, but it doesn't serve an actual purpose in terms of financial. What they do with selling bonds is create a safe asset for people to save in. Okay, that's it. That's it. And so I've said this countless times, but for those big platforms that want to talk about the national debt incorrectly, by the way, and spew it to huge audiences and mislead millions of Americans mislead them all over the place, chasing their tail about a fake fraudulent national debt. Well, shame on you. The answers are there. You just have to check your ego at the door, okay? The truth of the matter is, is that when China does, buys goods and services with the United States, they have a whole bunch of US dollars. What the fuck does China want with a bunch of U.S. dollars. Now, it can trade those dollars for a currency that it wants to save in, or it can do what it frequently does, and that is buy U.S. treasuries with its U.S. earnings, with its U.S. dollar earnings. And it puts them in there. Why? Well, if they earn uh, uh, one and a half points of interest on that money, and you put a trillion dollars into uh, treasuries or into these bonds, 1% of interest on that is huge, right? <clears throat> huge. But we don't owe them money. It's not like we're borrowing their money. 
okay? And every dollar of interest paid is not paid for by taxpayers. They're already pre-funded. They already know if this is a three-month treasury note, we're going to go ahead and budget the money aside for the additional three months of interest at the agreed-upon rate. That is not passing on debt to our grandchildren. And yet, that's the narrative. The narrative is, hey, they're going to go ahead and sell our country out to China, to Russia, to Iran, to some other place. And they play on those right-wing fears. And all of a sudden, people are like, oh, my God, the debt is unsustainable. We've got to reduce the deficit. We've got to cut spending. We've got to do whatever. Folks, national debt. When the government spends money and creates deposits through the Federal Reserve, when it writes a bill, once it says, yes, we're going to do this, every single time Congress spends, it is new money. It's never reused. It's new money. And look at this. I want you to see this. 64,000 views of Richard Wolf at Democracy Now!, Fucking 64,000 views of an incorrect statement of U.S. government literally borrowing from corporations. I'm not joking. This moron, and you can love him, you can spoon him, you can fucking invite him over for Christmas dinner or Hanukkah, whatever. He might even be a fucking killer bowler. Dude might be able to play mean jarts or lawn darts or whatever, but he is a terrible macroeconomist. And yet every one of these lefties bring Richard Wolf out there, trot him out like a trophy and say, talk to us, Richard, tell us all about MMT. But Richard Wolf doesn't understand MMT all. At all. Like zero. Zero. And yet, Keep getting them out there. Keep trotting them out there like a show pony to tell you how it is. Which is what made me so sad when I heard Bree Joy doing it on the Hill today. It devastated me because I'm here. I'm on status quo. I've been on Jimmy Dore. We've got every one of the experts that run through real progressives. If you don't think that I can control myself on that show, that I can certainly talk offline behind the scenes. I don't have an ego. I don't care. But damn it, stop putting shit out there. Stop putting trash out there. And you know what the worst thing is? Well-meaning people, decent people that have developed some weird hero worship for Wolf and others like him. Rather than ask, oh, my God, what is this thing that I'm getting wrong? What is he getting wrong? And then you explain it to them. They say, oh, wow, you're right. He is wrong. Rather than that, they just say, Richard Wolf was trained at Yale. Richard Wolf is an acclaimed economist. What if, show me your credentials. This is the kind of loser-mindedness that masquerades as knowledge. And so they think that somehow or another, going LOL with like the smiley face with the tears coming out of the eyes tilted, calling you a seriously unserious person or whatever else, right? Every time they do this shit, they think somehow or another 
they're close to the truth, that they got the truth because their hero worship of this person is greater than truth. And it's shameful, folks. If you're one of those people that does that, shame on you. That's it. Moving on. Now, one of, one of the challenging things is dis- splitting the debt ceiling conversation with the national debt conversation. They're two totally different animals, okay? The debt ceiling is all about the annual budget. It's all about the amount of quote-unquote debt that had been approved for that year's spending. And all that they do with these things is they fundamentally forget that 20, 30, 50, 100 years ago, somebody wrote a bill that included what we call an automatic stabilizer. Automatic stabilizers. Let's talk about this for a minute. Automatic stabilizers are things that kick in when certain economic conditions take place. Unemployment goes up. People retire, whatever. There's certain things that kick in to bring money into the economy so that the economy never bottoms out. Usually it's not with the intention of taking care of the people. Usually it's in the intent of trying to make sure, for example, that farmers don't go out of business, that they somehow or another, even when there's bad crop runs, that they somehow or another uh, you know, keep funding to them so that we don't lose our food. Because after all, that's a huge deal, right? But when you look at the national debt and you look at the debt ceiling, the debt ceiling is about an annual number. It's about a budgetary number. It's an arbitrary number set by Congress at the beginning of the year when they approve a budget. And then the debt that accumulates over the course of the year, which is things that were already promised. They were bills that were already written already passed by the full house, Senate and president signed into law and then spent and then approved. The contracts were written. That is the debt ceiling. And that what the Republicans and Democrats do, depending upon who is in office is try to hijack the other party and say, we're not going to approve lifting the debt ceiling unless you give us these concessions. So it's, it's, it's a political game and it happens just about every single year, every once in a while, you the debt ceiling limit goes by without any fuss because both parties are like, yeah, fuck it, let's just go ahead and pass it through and be done with it. But oftentimes, when there's a political game at play, like there is right now, the Democrats had their field day with the January 6th stuff. Now the Republicans have their typical chance. You know, it's like ping pong, ba-doom, 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 right? Or Pong, bing, 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 bing. This is the game of the national debt. And the national debt is not the same as the debt ceiling. National debt is the current running of all, all untaxed dollars since the dawn of the nation. Since the beginning of the nation, every untaxed dollar that exists in the economy. That's your national debt, that to a penny, by the way. Okay, to a penny. So national debt is forever. Debt ceiling is just this annual budget this year. That's it. So there, we've talked with Ray about minting the coin. 
And to Bree Joy's credit, she brought up minting the coin. And she, you know, did a pretty decent job of covering at least the coin. But then right on the heels of talking about the coin, she said, and while that's all fine and well, and MMT says this, that, and the other. And by the way, the within the MMT community, there are those who would say that minting the coin is is nothing but a a gimmick. And then there's those on the other side of that that are champions of mint the coin that are say, yeah, it may be a gimmick, but it's an intentional gimmick that shuts down this idiotic debate once and for all. Okay. So anyway, long story short, the debt limit is something that will be debated until we mint a coin or finally tear the fucking curtain back and show you that the Wizard of Oz is a tiny little man. Okay, with, you know, he's probably an incel, right? Hiding behind the curtain, raging all about, and you find out he's a little tiny imp, Mr. Kazoo from the great Kazoo from Flintstones or something like that, right? I don't know. But the fact is, is that it's, it's, a, it's a stupid thing that they purposely use. And the reason why the Democrats won't expose it and kill it is because they know when the Republicans are in there, they want to be able to do the exact same fucking thing. And by the way, thank you so much, Double K. I did not realize this, but she just gave us a nice, big old fat $50, $49.99 super chat. And all I can say is thank you so much. Let me put that up on the screen. Went by without my notice. So thank you so much. Um, anyway, with that said, okay, the national debt being the sum total of every untaxed dollar from the dawn of time, okay, from the dawn of the country, okay, we have never once had a problem with the national debt because it's not debt like you and I know. You and I, like I take out a $500 credit card payment. All of a sudden, I've got bills coming in. Now, it may not be much. It might be 10 bucks a month, 50 bucks a month. Who knows? Whatever it is. If I can't pay that, then they're going to come after me with fines, fees, and penalties. And eventually, they may take me to court. Okay? But for the government, it creates currency. So it's its own debt. It creates debt on purpose. We shouldn't call it debt, but it is debt. The only reason why it feels weird to call it debt is because debt to us, we're peeling from a very, very finite pool of money we've earned or maybe little interest we've earned somewhere or whatever. Federal government creates the money it spends on interest payments. The federal government creates the money brand new every time to pay its bills. The federal government creates new money every time it pays national debt, which is nothing more than the people. China we ro rolls up. Big bucket full of dollars. They're like, what the fuck are we going to do with this? We use yuan over there in China. We don't use dollars. Although if you go to the Beijing or you go to the uh, Forbidden Temple and all the other stuff, you can find vendors and stuff that will take dollars just as quickly as they will Chinese money. I think it was seven to one back when I went to China. But the point I'm making is that China knows it doesn't need these U.S. dollars. Not in the way we think we do. And so they park them. They buy treasuries with the money they earned. We didn't borrow it from. They earned that money. They earned that money doing business with our country. And they're sitting there with a big fat wad of U.S. dollars. Like, what do we do with this? 
well, let's earn a freaking 1% interest on it. And they throw it in by bonds. That's it. That's it. You understand what I'm saying? That's it. If you say something other than that, why? Why would you, why would you say something other than that? Why would you go in front of 64,000 people, Richard Wolf, and tell them that the United States federal government borrows from corporations? And the worst part is fellow travelers will hear Richard Wolf. And those dumb fucks will sit there and say, well, Richard Wolf said that the national debt is the U.S. government is in debt to corporations and it borrows money from corporations. And you're like, Jesus Christ, you mean in order for me to be part of your lefty little party, I've got to be stupid too? You mean... You mean the left has to be dumb to be solidified, to, to have solidarity. We all have to flush our brains down the toilet of the knowledge we have. Adopt this moronic position that the United States government borrows from corporations in order to be acceptable? Oh, well, now he's in the know. Oh, shit, you heard him. Yeah, you just said what Richard Wolf said. Richard Wolf said fuck borrowing from corporations. I mean, if there was ever a derp meme where the eyes are going different ways, let it be a Richard Wolf one. Let it be a fucking Richard Wolf one. And those people that share it around and shoot you down without asking about the concept, without talking through it, they just, I'm defending Richard. I can't possibly hear anyone say anything that doesn't do what Richard said. Those people, that's, in, that's embarrassing to be that much of a simp to be that much of a fanboy, to be that un, un, unintelligent? I don't know, what, what would you call it? To be that ignorant? I don't know, to be that sycophantic? I don't know, but I do know this. This leads me to Electoral politics. You know, on my journey from the right wing to socialism, one of the things that I had to do was literally delete a master of business administration, a master of science. I had to delete so much shit from my brain. I had to delete almost every aspect of things I've seen to be able to buy into the belief that we can vote our way to progress. I literally had to flush away almost everything I learned just to hold on to that last sliver of belief that our current system allows us to select our representatives and that they listen to us about the bills and things we need to survive. I, I, I know what I believe now, and I've put it out there for years. Number one, I don't believe that we can vote our way there. I also don't believe we're ready for revolution. I also don't believe third parties have a chance of breaking through the duopoly because the duopoly is the gatekeeper. They're literally 
the ones that block people from getting on the debate stage. It isn't the League of Women Voters. It's the Republicans and Democrats. And by what measure would they ever choose to allow a third party on the stage with them, except for the fact that they think the third party would be so embarrassingly dumb that maybe it wouldn't hurt them, but otherwise they're going to protect their interests. They are the gatekeepers. It's not, we can be as angry and as pissed as we want to be, but unless we're willing to take real honest direct action, and I'm not going to specify what that direct action is, but you can use your own brain to realize that sitting back, door knocking, phone banking, donating, cheering on a candidate every two years, four years, whatever, hasn't exactly been what you call a successful way of getting the progressive agenda forward. Would you agree? I hope so, because you have no evidence to suggest that a progressive agenda has in any way, shape, or form taken hold. You know, I look at this and I say to myself, if you want to be honest, we don't have access for a third party to really be viable within this space, the current system as it's structured. This is not a don't go third party. I, I, I would go third party before I would go duopoly, but I'm telling you that a third party doesn't even get the opportunity to get the television time. They don't even get to be on the ballots. I've said this, I'm gonna keep saying, God, I hope someday this man before he passes away hears that I'm talking about him, but Addie Barkin, literally celebrated the fact that the Green Party was kept off the ballot during the 2020 election. Celebrated this shit. Absolutely celebrated. But the reason why is because judges are appointed by parties, by governors, by elected reps within their parties. Everybody knows who the donor base is that got them into power. And instead of being courageous and willing to be one-termers and be fired later or whatever and stand on truth and be honest, they cater to who put them in power, which is the donor class, which is the capital class, which is the real owners of society right now. And it doesn't have to be that way, by the way, but it is. And make no mistake about it, it's very deeply entrenched. We talk about the deep state. Well, the deep state is just non-elected people that have been careerists in the government that have access to privilege, whether it be the CIA, whether it be other department heads, just the workings of the government. So you've got the parties that are corporations that have no legal responsibility whatsoever to quote unquote voters or to have a real primary of any variety. Zero. They have zero legal requirement, even though they have a stranglehold, a duopoly hold on the electoral process. They have absolutely no requirement for you, the people that would be governed, to have a say-so in who the representatives will be. They have every right as a corporation to select their reps. And because you've got simps out there that will deride you for not voting for one of these duopoly parties, you will then in turn, if you're a normie, will turn and voluntarily vote for the trash hand puppet they put up there. 
I assure you, you have not seen a single president, not in our lifetime anyway, who has really truly championed the people. Even Obama, when he said he was going for health care, what did he do? Before they even began negotiating, he had already pulled the public option. Why is that? Because they are not there to serve. This is not, this is not meme worthy. This is not just some sort of Coolio thing. I'm telling you the facts. They do not serve the public. They serve capital. They are there just like the police force is there, just like the military is there to clear markets, to protect capital, to protect private property, and to protect the moneyed class, the moneyed interests. Period. So, out of nowhere, everybody's trying to figure out who's going to primary Joe Biden as if it matters, because the Democratic Party has no requirement whatsoever to run a primary even. They have no requirement to allow the results of that primary to determine who the representative would be. And out of the blue, now Marianne Williamson, who I, look, I, I don't know her from Adam. She might be the greatest thing in the world. She might not be. I've heard some of her takes, and they've been less than, uh, less than progressive, shall we say. A lot of establishment-friendly stuff. Worse about Palestine, worse about Ukraine. She's got some very, very sad takes. The fact that she would simp for Joe Biden, the fact that she's not staunchly pushing Medicare for all, the fact that she, it doesn't even matter because in the end, her job, if I'm being honest, and just like Bernie's job, was sadly to make the left feel like they had a stake in the election get as many people involved to believe, oh my God, my candidate. And then when the candidate capitulates and endorses the shit candidate they select, they're counting on the vast majority of the left that was disaffected, that got excited about the primary, but now no longer has a dog in the race. They're expecting them to fall in line and vote for this person. But it really doesn't matter because in the end, it's really about just, can we make this look like we've had a real fair election. And we make it look so that it doesn't have that stink. Well, you see how many elections have been contested lately. And it has nothing to do with whether or not it's valid or not. The intent is because we are already starting to see cracks in the integrity of the system. The veneer is wearing off. The facade that makes it look legit is wearing off it's thinning you're starting to see through and too many people are starting to see through so when you have someone like a marianne williamson the best you can expect is that they would be a message bearer that they would be out there taking difficult challenging positions and pushing the incumbent or pushing that person deeper into a, a more leftist position Marianne Williamson has already said basically in the end that she would go along with the party. And that's very problematic. That's very problematic, right? I mean, this, look, I'm telling you right now, I don't believe in any of this stuff, right? So it's challenging as fuck for me 
to even give any gravitas towards these pitched battles. But because I know you'll get inundated with news about Marianne and you'll see the fights on Twitter and you'll see the fights in YouTube. I, my eyes want to roll back so far I can see like the inside of my brain, inside of my skull. It's, it's like snooze fest. But this is going to become a thing. And for a period of time, there will be people that will be door knocking, phone banking, trying to make fetch happen. But if you remember the movie, fetch never happens. But, you know, I, I say to myself, my third party friends, the system requires X number of votes in the House to pass a bill. And it requires X number of votes in the Senate to pass a bill. And then the president gets that bill and gets to veto or sign it, right? If you're a third party and you get three people, miraculously get three people in the Congress, they have to manage within that system. They're not going to be on any platforms. They're not going to be on any committees. They're not going to be leaders in that sense. And they're largely going to be stuck voting on bills that Republicans and Democrats put forward. It won't take long to realize that nothing fundamentally changed at all, even then. And I don't think they'll get in because, remember, the gatekeepers blocked them. Okay, The gatekeepers of the duopoly blocked them, period. And it doesn't even stop with parliamentarians, the rotating villains, you name it. So I ask myself, unless a third party is there simply to provide knowledge and to serve as a vanguard, then what are you going to do? What is the point of it? If a third party isn't advancing knowledge of how the finance system works through MMT, what value do they serve? If they're not actually out there speaking and understanding of how the IMF works and how that is serving as an arm of imperialism. They don't even address the term imperialism. If they're not focused on how domestic policy works, what value do they serve? It, it takes more than just wanting a third party. And as long as the system that holds these duopolies in there, I don't see any value. So I really believe, get a rid of the fucking electoral side of this for now. If we, the working class, if we, the people, get ourselves to a point where we say what we want without the parties telling us what we have to say, without having to filter it through the democratic lens, okay, then there's no point. There's no point. There's no point in any of this, right? Third party must be advancing concepts of systemic change. And the goal, in my mind, for a vanguard third party would be to lead the revolution to upend and destroy the system by any means necessary. But you can't show me today that people get this. They think they're going to vote their way to the promised land. 
And so a Marianne Williamson, I don't have anything against her. I don't have anything for her. I'm not even talking about her as an individual. She could be anybody. I'm telling you that it is all a waste of time. It's a waste of time. The real effort needs to be built on maintaining and building parallel institutions that allow us to teach each other away from the mainstream, that allow us to educate each other on issues that matter to us, to debate without the parties weighing in, and then go to the public and say, this is what we demand. And if those parties don't, we have enough organization that's not conditional on the ebbs and flows of the election cycle that we are always in place to have an answer for the hope that lies within and to be prepared to govern in a post-electoral world, in a post-duopoly world. But the duopoly has all the power right now. When I say all the power, that means if you're willing to play by the rules, it's just like a locked door in a house or a window. They only keep in people that are law-abiding people that are willing to break and entering and go through your front door and break your window, it's not going to stop them. Okay. So in my mind, we need to be focused on educating each other because we've been lied to. It's almost like we need an anti-cult or a cult deprogramming group to help people withdraw from the duopoly, to help people withdraw from the mainstream media, to help people withdraw from the lies they've been told. There are people that know the truth, heard me say this for seven years, and still believe the establishment narratives. I'm not joking. They still believe the establishment narratives. They still believe the establishment framing, and they still believe that if they vote a few more people in, wow, change will occur. See, I think the hardest thing to realize is that we're overmatched. And when I say overmatched, I'm not saying we don't have any options. I'm saying that we are overmatched because the system, trying to play within the system, be a part of the system, it's kind of like going to uh, somebody's home turf where the turf requires a special shoe, but all you have are flats. You have dress shoes. And so they run up and down the field. It's not like you're not the better team, but because they have their own rules and they have their own field, they have all the advantages. They get to hire the referees. They get to change the rules as they want. That's the way it is with the Republican and Democratic Party having a stranglehold on starting with the debates, down to the elections, down to every aspect of our society. These two corporations have legal standing that surpasses our ability to force them to bend a knee to do our will. We are not important to the way that they run and operate. So because so many people are plugged into that system, all the information they get, all the news that they get, all the analysis that they get comes through that lens. And so everything that you say that doesn't have the red and blue treatment on it, it's like does not compute, 
does not compute, does not compute. But we have to. My guy Wesley right here, Wesley Wiles, he says some things that annoy me. I love you, Wesley. I hope you take what I'm about to say here the way I mean it. But he annoys me because he's a really smart guy. And he goes into some territory that I think I think is too soon. I don't think we have enough people to the basics that the United States government creates money out of thin air. Just that alone. And that the national debt is nothing more than the money supply. Those two things alone. That the U.S. government doesn't borrow from foreign countries. If we could just get people to understand that. And we could get them to understand that the states are just like you and I or a business. The federal government is very different. If we could get them to understand that, the world would change overnight. But most people, even when they hear it, they resist it and they go back to watching some trash YouTube channel that tells them otherwise or listen to some failed Marxist economist that has been wildly successful telling all the wrong things. But Wesley does a lot of good stuff because I love history. Wesley loves history. Wesley sends me stuff. It's stuff that I know you're not ready for all the time. Because I can tell because I get to hang out with normies and different platforms I'm on. I get to see the, the audiences and the way people act on tons of different platforms. Most people cannot grasp that their Congress does not serve their needs. Most people cannot grasp. And so with that in mind, taking you to the next thing, talking about the Enlightenment and the French Revolution and bourgeois race science and stuff like it, just too deep a well. It's not a deep well. It's not a well that shouldn't be gone down into. It's just a well that needs a, a warning label. Because every time you destabilize one thought in someone's head, it has a hundred million synapses tied to that one thought that create roadways in your brain and thoughts and how things come together. So if you try and tear down too many strongholds at once, the ability to reconnect all those synapses in your brain and rewire the way you process data becomes really challenging. Trust me, I watch people go into full, like, like if I were doing Men in Black and I hear the choo-choo, and they go, deer in the headlights, deer in the fucking headlights. No joke. Most people are deer in the headlights on basic things. I'll give you another example, a perfect example of why this matters. In the United States, there's something called the Treasury's General Account. The Treasury's General Account resides within the government sector. In other words, everything in the government, money doesn't matter within the government. Money is irrelevant within the government. It only matters when it's outside the government. So it can procure goods and services outside, but inside it has no meaning. And so for a technicality to prevent overdrafts, they create this thing called the TGA. And 
the Fed or the, whatever will deposit money into their, uh, you know, their their profits. They'll go pop into the Treasury's general account. They'll keep that thing filled up to ensure that no overdrafts occur, that the payments will always go through. But it's within the government sector. It means nothing. But you tell that to somebody who is one of these very, very, very serious people. All of a sudden, they want to tell you about the Treasury's general account. They want to tell you all about the Treasury's general account and how taxes really do fund spending because they're just simps. They can't get it. But the reality is that the Treasury and the federal government, et cetera, this is like the cloud in the internet. If you say, hey, where'd that go? You see the lightning bolt going out to the cloud. You see that? Well, the cloud is 100 million routers and switches and dense wave division multiplexing and freaking... Um, you know, label switching, MPLS, all these protocols, things that don't make a shit's bit of difference to you at all. But inside the cloud, all kinds of shit's happening, routing decisions. Do I go to the right? Do I go to the left? Hey, I'm getting a ping off of that IP address. Hey, what's going on over here? Doesn't mean shit. The bottom line is, is that you're sending a bit from station A across the country to station B, and it travels through the cloud. Well, it's the same thing within the federal government with the Treasury's general account. See, guys like me, I just skipped that shit. And I'm like, look, fucking taxes are deleted. They don't mean anything. And they don't. They're gone. In the real world, they don't exist anymore. Well, Steve, haven't you heard of the Treasury's general account? My eyes are rolling back in my head. I'm seeing the top of my brain pan, it's obnoxious and annoying. Everybody wants to be the cool guy that complicates the simple shit. And so part of our problem here is going back to the beginning of this with Bree and with Richard Wolf and with all the people that follow them. These are good people. Hell, what, Richard Wolf's probably a great guy. Seriously, he's probably a hell of a granddad. He probably loves his, you know, children, loves his mom. I don't know. Everybody, all these people are probably great people, but they're misleading people. They're misleading people. And so with that, I just want to state for the record, I won't be supporting Marianne Williamson. I won't be supporting Joe Biden. I'm going to use this time as they go through this as an opportunity to teach people the way the system works. I'm not going to get amped up. I'm not going to get emotional. I'm just going to simply focus on the myths and legends that are being presented to us each and every day. Because we need a vanguard. It doesn't need to be a third party that joins in the electoralism. We need a vanguard. We need a vanguard that will help bring about the change we need in this country a workers' revolution with a modern flair. The days of Eugene V. Debs are over. We have a different society. Everything's different. The material conditions are different. Everything about today is different than yesterday. And for those people that are digging into Marx, remember, Marx was scientific. So you'll see that he contradicted himself at times because as new information came, he changed with new information. That's the way it should be for all of us. When we're presented with new information, we should change. We should evaluate it. 
and then make a decision and change, not just change randomly. We need to evaluate things. And right now we're at a stage in our society where if we don't, we don't, um, we don't have a chance if we don't distract, you know, pull away from these lies and educate ourselves. So to me, the way forward is to educate the people, to continue to build institutions with mutual aid, legal aid. People need to understand the law and they need to understand what's possible and they need to understand tactics and how to change it. But unfortunately, the vast majority of people would rather go to TikTok. So with that, it's 12.58 my time. I got to get back to the day grind. But I hope that you all will stop listening for infotainment purposes and think with me, talk with me. Let's work together to find a way to get some strong people, some people that believe in building parallel institutions. And let's start working together, please. People that are willing to do things, not people that are willing to type and shit. I need people that are willing to show up and do things. We need that committed nucleus to make it happen. Otherwise, it's just pissing in the wind and wasting time. And so with that, I'm Steve Grumbine, the Rogue Scholar, and I'm out of here. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to support our efforts, please take a moment to subscribe and check out our other work on the Real Progress in Action YouTube channel and visit our sister organization's website at realprogressives.org.